0: Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorce. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. We've been on a series on the family, and Donna and I has talked about marriage and having a good marriage, and we shared our story with you. Then I talked about communicating effectively with your children for a couple of weeks. And today, uh, I want to talk to you about restoring harmony, about restoring harmony. Now... And what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about four keys to living in harmony. Now, harmony in the Webster's Dictionary simply means agreement or concord or the quality of forming a pleasing and consistent whole. The quality of of forming a pleasing and consistent whole. Look at your neighbor and say, harmony comes with peace. (laughs) Actually, I put it down like this. Harmony is the prerequisite to peace. And harmony is our responsibility, isn't it? Now, I want us to just pray here because I'm getting ready to make a statement that's going to dig in where we live, and we might need the help. Well, I know we'll need the help of the Lord. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would help me to be able to effectively communicate your word to this group of people today. I know that you are speaking to us today. I pray that you would touch me to be able to be effective let me speak with fluency and with clarity. Let ears, to be, let ears be open and hearts receptive, we pray. May our understanding be enlightened. May we hear with more than just our ears, but may our heart be open to you today. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, harmony is each individual's responsibility. And with that said, let me make this statement. You need to protect yourself from the people who try to create chaos in your life. Selah. That's a Hebrew word that means pause and think about it. You need to correct yourself from people, or you need to, to protect yourself, not correct, you need to protect yourself from people who try to create chaos in your life. Because confusion is not of God. And I'm going to give you some scripture for that. You ready? Psalms chapter 71 and verse 1. Here's what the Lord says. In Psalm 71 and verse 1. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Let me never be put to confusion. Look at your neighbor and say, put to confusion. There will be people in your life who will try to put confusion on you. You say, well, how do they do that? They try to suck you in to drama that you have no business being involved in. I received a phone call here not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, and someone called me, and uh, my, my daughter said, uh, Dad, so-and-so wants to talk to you, and I said, tell them that maybe I'll get back with them later. I knew what they wanted. They wanted to suck me into something I had no business being involved in. Just because I'm your pastor, it doesn't mean that I need to be involved in every mess that's in your life. Amen. And there'll be people that'll try to put confusion on you, and we need to protect ourselves from that. How do I protect myself when someone tries to put confusion on me? Well, here's what you do. You just deny it. You just say, you know what? That's just not a part of my life. That's just not the way that I live my life. I'm just not going to be, I'm not going to fool with things like that. And you guys can maybe just work that out over there. I'll pray for you and ask the Lord to give you wisdom. But I'm not going to be involved in this. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you taking a pass on a war that you don't belong in. Restoring harmony. Sometimes we allow chaos in our lives. Sometimes we allow confusion in our lives because we allow ourselves to get involved in things that is just plain old none of our business. Amen. So the word of God says in Psalm 71 and verse 1, in the Lord, do I put my trust, let me never be put to confusion. And then 1 Corinthians 14:33 says this: for God is not the author of confusion. But here's what he is the author of. Peace. For God is the author of peace as in all churches of the saints. Now if God is the author of something, I want to be a part of it. But if God is not the author of confusion, then that means confusion either comes from the devil or it comes from us. Come on now. Quit blaming the devil for something you created yourself. Take responsibility for it and just say, you know what? I'm not going to allow that in my life anymore. The Bible said that God is not the author of confusion, but that God is the author of peace. So if it's peaceful, that's where I want to be. If it's peaceful, that's what I want to be involved in. But God is not the author of confusion because confusion leads to strife and confusion leads to chaos. And there can be no harmony when there is confusion. In fact, the Bible says in James chapter 3 and verse number 16, don't we love it when the Word of God just backs up what we say? James chapter 3 and verse 16 says this, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Most of the time there's strife because there are not, there are not clear-cut understandings uh, of, of both sides of the situation. So people start fighting. And, and then pride gets involved because I ain't going to admit I'm wrong. Hello? Come on, I'm talking about marriage now. Oh, pastor, you could have went all day long and not went there. No, 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 I couldn't have <laughs> Because we're talking about being married And a lot of times the enemy This is what the enemy does Is he uses that tool of confusion And he tries to throw it right into the middle of your relationship And before you know it Because of misunderstandings You're at each other And then you're living life in chaos Remember a couple of weeks ago When I shared with you how that it's the man's uh, prerogative to escape And it's the woman's prerogative to try to talk, talk and talk And, and when, when we don't do that When we don't give each other permission to be who God made us to be Then it creates problems Remember that? Well, listen, I want us to understand here that God is the author of peace. And there is a reason when there is envy. There is a reason when there is strife. And the Bible said where there is envy and where there is strife, there is confusion. And listen to this, and every other evil work. When we allow confusion into our life, when we allow strife into our life... When we allow envy into our life, then we have opened the door wide for the devil to come in and do whatever he wants to and create chaos in our life. I think it's time that spirit-filled churches and spirit-filled people started slamming the door in the devil's face and said, nope, no strife here, no envy here, no confusion here. God is the author of peace, and I belong to him, and because I belong to him, his peace rules and reigns in my life. So, four keys to living in harmony. Number one, you have to know your priorities. That means you can't be confused. Well, how do I know my priorities? Here's a good question to ask yourself. What did God create me for? Why am, I've, I get that question all the time. I've gotten it for years and years and years as, as a pastor. You know, what, what is God's call for me? What does God want me to do? And I, and I tell everybody pretty much the same thing. I'll just tell them, you know what? I can identify gifts that are in you. I can, I can uh, point out some strengths. I can point out some weaknesses. Only you can decide what you feel like the Lord has called you to do. But God will never ever call you to something that he will not give you a gift set for. And so the calling of God that is upon your heart and the calling of God that is upon your life is somehow, in some way, connected to the gifts that God has already put inside of you. Now, that doesn't mean that those gifts are developed. It just means they're there. And so that's why it's important to submit yourself to godly leadership and spiritual leadership where someone will pray over you and speak God's word over you and love you and guide you and direct you and teach you so you can become a fully developing follower of Jesus Christ. So, if I know my priorities, first of all, I I can't let myself be put to confusion. And secondly, I have to ask myself, what did God create me for? Because the Bible does say in the NIV, in Jeremiah 29 and verse number 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So, when we talk about our priorities we talk about knowing our priorities, when we talk about restoring harmony, when we talk about those things, I want to have a little hard truth talk with you. I had this little hard truth talk with those on Wednesday nights. We don't have near as many on Wednesday nights, and it's a lot more informal. But I had this hard truth talk with them, and I'm going to have it with you this morning because I want you to understand that God's priority for you somehow, in some way, fits into the Great Commission. The Great Commission is found in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 where Jesus said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature or the good news to every creature. And that word preach means to communicate. So we're to communicate the gospel message to every creature. Now here's a hard truth talk that I had with them Wednesday night that I'm going to have with you today. And I'm not trying to be morbid or anything. I mean Grandma Hatcher went home to be with the Lord and made me think a little bit. There are 7.1 billion people in the world today and in a hundred years, every one of them will be dead. Hello? That's not being morbid, that's being real. Maybe 120 years, let's say that. Because the Bible said that a man's day should be 120. That's in the book of Genesis, 120 years. So here's the hard truth talk. Every single person in this place, even the children in probably a hundred years or a little over a hundred years are going to be in their eternal reward. People spend their entire life trying to build wealth and trying to build a name for themselves and all of these kinds of things only, I mean, just a hundred years from now, it's not going to mean anything to them. The only thing that really has lasted the test of time is the gospel message. The Bible says that the grass may wither and the flower may fade, but God's word will stand forever. That's found in the book of Isaiah and chapter 40. It's important for us, it's important for you and I to start investing in something that's going to outlast us. Something to, to invest in something that will stand the test of time. I mean, I hit the big 5-0 in last December and I got to thinking, you know, I've, I may have more years behind me than I have in front of me now. And I look back to when I was a child, and it seems to me like, you know, when I was building a bike for my little brother from parts that I got from the junkyard, that's, that's how we used to build a bike, young people. That's how we used to have a bike. We would go to the junkyard and get things, and we would build it ourselves. And so I was building a bike. for, And it, that seems like that was yesterday, but you know what? That was 40 years ago that was 40 years ago when we would gather together in the church and the power of god would come down and they were singing out of the red back hymnal and i shall not be moved and there's going to be a meeting in the air and prayer bells of heaven and people were shouting and dancing and worshiping the lord and just all that kind of stuff and then we would go home and we would if we if we had a television we got abc nbc and cbs and pbs and that was it How many remember the bars at like 1130 signing off the air? You know, they're singing the national anthem and there's the flag and the eagle. And then at the end, you're like, and you're like, no, 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 no. But it's just until what, six in the morning or something? Come on, I'm dating myself, aren't I? How many remember when the AM radio, you could get AM better than you could FM? Ham radios who who <laughs> will preach the message of the gospel around the world on my ham radio, praise God That seems like yesterday, doesn't it? If you're thirty or younger, you're probably I have no idea what he's talking I don't know what he's eight tracks i you know. <laughs> Absolutely no idea what they're, what they're talking about. Here's the point that I'm trying to make. Life's going to go on whether we want it to or not. Generations are, coming, are going to come and go whether we want them to or not. Every generation has always felt like the generation in front of me doesn't understand me. You didn't feel like your parents understood you. This generation doesn't feel like you understand them. Those are just bridges that we have to cross. Those are things that we have to work with. Here's the one thing that has remained consistent. The grass may wither and the flower may fade, but God's word will stand forever. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked the Via Dolorosa and was hung on a cross and died for you and I. And three days later, he rose again and then he ascended up into heaven and someday soon, he's coming again. It's important for you and I to, to fund that. It's important for you and I to embrace that. It's important for you and I to push that harder than anything we push in our life. That house that we work all of our life for, some people finance houses for 30 years. In 50, it's probably going to be on the ground. They'll finance a car for five years, and in 10 years, it's in the junkyard. But the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't do that. The message of the gospel of Jesus doesn't disintegrate. The power of the blood of Jesus Christ is as powerful today and as real today as it was 2,000 years ago when the fountain of God's blood was opened up on Calvary's mountain. And you and I have to embrace that message. You and I have to say, you know what, this is the thing that has the greatest value in my life. Therefore, if I want to restore harmony to my life, then I need to make the propagation and the proclamation of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ the number one priority in my life after my relationship with the Lord. So God's priorities for you, will fit somewhere into the proclamation of the message of the gospel of Jesus. That just makes sense. It's just practical truth. So, let's look at the second thing, restoring harmony. Four keys to living in harmony. Number one, you got to know your priorities. So, you, when they try to put confusion on you, you just deny that. You say, I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm going to pay attention to things that that I'm supposed to pay attention to. I'll be involved in things I'm supposed to be involved in, but I'm not going to get myself in other people's drama. Okay, not going to do that because I'm living in harmony. Okay, I'm going to ask myself what did God create me for and I'm going to be involved in somehow being involved in the proclamation of the message of the gospel of Jesus. The second thing that I want to talk to you about is restoring harmony. Here's a key. Keep conquering harmony. Personal insecurity. Boom. We just hit somebody where they live, didn't we? Now, let me help you with this, okay? God made you, you. Amen. Yeah. Look at your neighbor and say, God made you, you. God made you, you. <laughs> Don't allow yourself to believe that, some, that you are less than what you are. God made you you. God made you to be just like he wanted you to be. And when we try to superimpose ourselves and our belief systems on other people about what they should be and what they should do, then we are doing a disservice to them and many times causing them to get sidetracked from what God has designed them to be. God has made you you. You are who God wants you to be. So, quit trying to be something that you're not. Oh, I wish, I remember years ago. Oh, I wish I could preach like RW Shambach. Shout, yeah, somebody. And nobody go, yeah. And then he'd sign off his radio. You don't have any trouble. All you need is faith in God. I tried that a couple of times on my radio program, and it just didn't sound the same. You know why? Because it's not how God designed me. You know what God designed me to say? The word of work. If you work the word. That's, that's That's what the Lord put inside of me. The Lord designed me for that. The Lord designed me for Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 19. My life verse. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's my life verse. And then you go to verse number 20, it's the one that everybody quotes. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that works in you. All of that. Okay, so don't allow yourself to believe that you are less than who you are. So, so how, do I, how do I do that? How do I overcome that? Well, you have to reframe the voices that are in your head. Come on. You've got dad talk in there. Why not get God talk in there? You've got mom talk in there. Why not get God talk in there? You've got a bad boss talking in there. Why not get God talk in there? Why not get word talk in there? You have to reframe the voices that are in your head. Well, you know, your name is such and such, and you'll never amount to anything. Just say, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. My heavenly Father said that, that, I, that he would do exceeding abundantly above all that I ask or think. My heavenly father calls me his son. He calls me his child. He calls me an heir to the kingdom. So who do I think I am? I'm a a happy Pentecostal, born again, tongue talking, holy rolling, heaven bound believer in the liberated power of Jesus name. That's who I am. Hallelujah. That's who I am. I'm a son of God. I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm connected with him by the blood of Jesus. I've experienced atonement. I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. God's power, God's anointing is on me. Reframe, reframe, reframe the voices in your head. There are people that spoke negative things over you when you were growing up. You need to kick those negative thoughts to the side and say, you no longer can rent space in my head. Get out in the name of Jesus. You can't do it because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, that's just impossible. With man, things may seem impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God. And I'm not going to listen to what man says about me. I'm going to listen to what God, in fact, the Word of God says, we're not even supposed to fear what man can do unto us. mm mm so keep conquering that personal insecurity and let the mind of Christ consume you. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 7, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you want your life to change, start with your heart. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you want your life to change, start with your Heart. How come? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I can tell you what's in your heart if I listen to you talk for five minutes. Because whatever your heart is full of is what's going to come out of your mouth. Amen. Amen? Hallelujah. Third thing. So not only do we need to know our priorities. If we want... If we want harmony in our life, not only do we need to know our priorities, number one, not not only do we need to conquer personal insecurity, but the third thing that I want to talk to you about is living in unity on purpose. That means I choose it. This is my life's purpose. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, is what I call the great call to unity. I don't know if anyone else has ever called it that but I like to call it the great call to unity. And let's read it. The Bible says, and this was Paul writing to the Philippian church. Now I want you to understand, the Philippian church was a good church. It was a great church. Paul was writing to them while he was in jail. And this was the church at Philippi. And it was a good church, it was a great church, but there were problems with strife in that church. There were problems with people fighting with one another in that church. There were people always trying to unseat other people in that church. And so the Apostle Paul was uh, crying out to them uh, on this subject of unity. And he says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 2, we find where there were two women, Yoda and Sinthe, that had problems with each other. They fought with one another. I mean, this is, this is right there in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 2. And Paul told them, y'all need to work it out. Come on, look at your neighbor right now and say, work it out. Work it out. Okay, so here's what he gives them in in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. There are four reasons why every church should get along in these two scriptures. You want me to help you with it? Here we go. Number one, the Bible says, is there any consolation in Christ? That means that there is great encouragement in and through Jesus Christ. That's one of the reasons why we need to get along, because we can encourage one another in the Lord. And not only because we can encourage one another, it's because encouragement is available. We can receive encouragement through the Lord. So we should be able to get along because of the great encourager who is Jesus Christ. And then it goes on and it says, there is great comfort and godly love through Jesus. It says, if any comfort of love. So there's great godly comfort. This is why every church should get along. Every spirit-filled church should be a place where you get encouraged, and it should be a place where you experience godly comfort and love. And then the third thing, the Bible said there's great fellowship with and through the Spirit. Now, maybe it's because I'm slightly Pentecostal or maybe just full-blown Pentecostal. Let me call myself that. But I don't know how churches can say, we're a church and cut out the move of the Holy Ghost. It's almost like having cake without icing or a chocolate sundae without the hot fudge. It just don't work. Hallelujah. The Bible said that there's great fellowship through the Holy Ghost. Sometimes there's a lot of fighting in the church because it's been a long time since the Holy Ghost has just blown up in the midst of the congregation. I've said to my wife many times, I said, and at times when we've had to deal with things through the years with congregations, I've told her, I said, there is absolutely nothing that we are facing right now that a good move of the Holy Ghost wouldn't fix. I'll tell you what happens when God starts moving. Those that don't want it, they hit the door, and those that do want it, they come in the door. And I found out most of the time that the people that want the move of the Holy Ghost are more than those that don't. So we're either a spirit-filled church or we're not a spirit-filled church. And I'm telling you, as long as I'm the pastor of this church, we're a spirit-filled church. Hallelujah. Well, I don't completely understand it. That's why the Holy Ghost is here. He's our teacher. He's our leader. He's our guide. Let him wreck you. Let him him wreck you from the floor all the way to the ceiling. Hallelujah. Sometimes there's nothing. There's... Nothing wrong with, with an individual that just a good checkup from the neck up by the Holy Ghost wouldn't take care of. I'll tell you, I promise, I don't know where some of this stuff comes from sometimes. It just comes from the Lord. I don't practice this stuff. I just get up here after I've prepared, just preach. Oh, man. Oh, all right. Four reasons, four reasons why every church should get along. Great encouragement through Christ. Great comfort and godly love. Great fellowship with and through the Spirit. And then the last one here found in verse number one is that there is great care and mercy through Christ for each other. I think we need to start cutting each other some slack. Well, I just don't understand how they can call themselves a Christian to do such and such. Listen, your history isn't theirs. You didn't come from where they came from. You know, I'm, I'm one of these type of people that, and I'm thankful for this, and I think it's a great, wonderful testimony. I used to feel bad about it, but I don't have this great big testimony about how that God set me, me free from drugs and from alcohol and how I was in the world and fighting in bars and stuff. I got saved when I was a kid. I preached my first message when I was 8 years old, 42 years ago. When I was a teenager, I wasn't out partying in the bars. Or when I was a young man, I was out preaching revivals. It's a totally different background than the majority of you all. That doesn't disqualify me from being your pastor. It just means God said, I need you to lead those folks. And so I'm going to keep you close to my heart. And I chose to stay close to God's heart. Because let me tell you something, it's not always been... A bed of roses. Some people would say, I mean, I had one guy told me uh, I was going to be preaching in, in a, a place called so, uh, to the Soto Indian tribe up in Fairford, Manitoba, and uh, I was about 19 years old and all of that, and, and uh, we were having a great revival, and several people were giving their life to Jesus Christ, and so they set it up for me to go, because I was a teenager, to go preach or teach or talk or actually preach at the uh, high school, the local high school. Now, this was several years ago. So I walk into that gymnasium and there are several hundred kids around and the pastor walks up to me and he said, now, I want you to give your testimony. And I said, well, okay. And he said, you know, talk about how that God set you free from drugs, how that you were in a rock band and all this kind. I said, that's not my testimony. He looked at me and he said, what? I said, that's not my testimony. I said, my testimony is that when I was eight years old, we lived in a rock house and it had a picture window there. And we were out in the middle of a field with a fence around it, and the bulls were fighting with the heifer. And I was afraid a bull was going to get loose and jump through that window and kill me. So I gave my life to Jesus. That's my testimony. I said, that's my testimony. He just looked at me and scratched his head. I mean, not going to get up and lie about something, you know. That's really my testimony. And then, as time went on, obviously the Lord drew me close to Himself and all of that, and I grew in in the Lord, and and eventually the Lord kept me. So my testimony is one of those keeping testimonies, how the Lord kept me, and how the Lord was close to me, and how that I've been able to spend my life uh, working for the Lord and and loving the Lord. And let me tell you something, some of you kids that are in here, you don't have to go out in the world and create yourself. You don't have to go get a testimony. You do not have to leave the confines of of this building. I mean, you need to be a light to the world, but you don't have to go into the bar, and you don't have to go do drugs, and you don't have to go mess your life up so that you can one day stand up and say, okay, Jesus set me free. And every person in this place that did mess their life up can say amen, Amen. because sometimes it's a hard road back to God, isn't it? Hmm. All right. There's great care and there's great mercy and there's great love in Christ for each other. There's four reasons why every church should get along. Why there should be harmony in every church. Why we, we have to give each other permission to come from where we were. We have to give each other permission to be who God made us to be. And so we understand that there's great encouragement through Christ. There's great comfort through Christ. There's great fellowship through Christ. And there's great care and mercy through Christ. And the Apostle Paul told the Philippian church, he said this, he said, it will bring me great joy. If you'll quit fighting with one another and quit having strife and quit having chaos in your homes and in the church. And if you'll be like-minded, that'll bring me great joy. That's in verse number 2. If you'll have the same love, if you'll be of one accord and of one mind. Fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. So if I want to restore human uh, harmony to my home, if I want to restore harmony to my life, then I need to live in unity on purpose. I choose unity. I choose to stay in love, and that means, listen very closely, that means I choose to forgive. Well, if it ever happens, I'll forgive them. No, you choose right now, right here, that I live a life of forgiveness. Let me go down this track very briefly. I've taught you series on forgiveness. But let me go down this track very briefly. Forgiveness is not pardon. Forgiveness helps you. Forgiveness sets you free. Just because you forgive someone, it doesn't mean that you no longer hold them accountable for what they did. And it doesn't mean that you allow them back into your life to create chaos in your life. Set up boundaries. Walk in forgiveness. You don't want to go down that road again, but you choose right now to forgive. So if I'm going to stay in love, then I choose right now to forgive. The last thing that I want to share with you here. We're talking about restoring harmony so we know our priorities. We're continually working on overcoming personal insecurity. We're living in unity on purpose. And then the last thing is that we continue being a fully developing follower of Jesus Christ. That means we continue the path to discipleship. Discipleship never ends. Discipleship is a lifestyle. Discipleship is learning the disciplines of living the Christian life and allowing the Lord Jesus Christ to guide us and to lead us. We follow the teachings of Jesus. That's why we are called Christians or Christians. The Bible said they were first called Christians at Antioch. That means followers of Jesus Christ or followers of the anointing. So, in order to be a fully developing follower of Jesus Christ, that means I need to keep the Word of God active in my everyday life. Colossians chapter 3 verses 16 through 17 says this, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Verse number 16, let's look at two things in verse number 16. Number one, when God's Word lives in you, it brings life to your life. When God's Word lives in you, it brings life to your life. It brings life to you. You cannot download God's Word on a consistent daily basis and remain the same. Because God's Word is not just words on a paper. God's words are literally the utterance of God. The Bible said that holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So when we take the Word of God inside of us, whether we listen to it on the Bible.is app every day, whether we do that, or or whether we read the Word of God, or whether we listen to teaching and preaching, or whether you download Pastor Jonathan's messages on iTunes or Podbean or whatever, Whatever you do, when you download that and you get that inside of your spirit and you do that on a consistent daily basis, then you are feeding your spiritual man and you are consistently growing in God. When God's Word lives in you because the Word of God is living, it's life, it's not dead. This is not just another book. This is the holy inspired Word of God. When God's word lives in you, it brings life to you. And then, verse number 16, don't just let it live in you, but let it live richly in you and allow it to work. That means get a whole lot of it. What does it mean to, if you're rich with money, what does that mean? That means you got a whole lot of money. Does that make sense? If I'm rich in the word, that means i got a whole lot of word in here. So I'm going to live richly in the Word of God. I'm going to allow the Word of God to get so full of me, inside of me, that if somebody pokes me, Word comes out. Woo! Hallelujah. You know what I found out? If I start to get down and discouraged and start getting into molly grubs and all of that, if if that starts happening, then all I really need to do, sometimes sometimes it happens to me too. Sometimes I don't even feel like reading the Word. So I've got this little app, and you should get it called Bible.is, and it'll just read the Word of God to you. And so sometimes I just hit that. I listened to the whole book of Matthew when I was in Jamaica. I'd get a free minute, and I'd just hit play. Guess what y'all are going to be hearing here before long? Bunch of messages out of Matthew. Who did that feed me? Hallelujah. Well, haven't you ever read the book of Matthew? Uh, Duh. Over and over and over again. But there's just something about the Word of God. It's not just words on a paper. It's the inspired Word of God. You can read the same scripture over and over and over again and get something different out of it. Why? Because it's alive. It's living. Get the Word of God inside of you. And the Bible said to let it live in you richly and allow it to work. And then verse number 17 says this, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that word name there means authority, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So operate under the authority of the name of Jesus. So if I'm a fully developing follower of Jesus Christ, then that means I'm constantly being fed by the Word of God and I'm getting so full of the Word of God that my spirit man is rich in the Word. And when my spirit man gets rich in the Word, then I step out by faith and I operate under the authority of the name of Jesus with the backing of God's Word. Whoo! On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. There is, there's a song we used to sing in church. Can't nobody do me like Jesus? Can't nobody do me like the Lord? Let me tell you something. I've lived it. I can testify of it. I can preach about it. I can stand up here and preach under the unction of the Holy Ghost and tell you nobody will do you like Jesus but until you. Yes. Come on. Until you experience the Lord Jesus Christ. Until he lives rich inside of you. Woo! Hallelujah. You know, I wish I could see nothing but your spirit, man. Then I'd know if I'm doing right. Because if you're just waddling around like this, then I know pastor's doing good because he got me fat spiritually. But I'm concerned that we're Anemic. We got to get the word in us. Let it live richly inside of us so we can operate under the authority of the name of Jesus. And then, verse number 17, the Bible says, Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So we're to live with gratitude to God for the life that He's given us. Gratitude is empowering. Hello. Come on. Tell your neighbor, say, my pastor loves me. If you belly aching all the time, you acting like the devil. Find something to be grateful for. And be grateful. Well, there just isn't anything in my life. You can talk, can't you? You got up this morning and sucked in God's great air. Gratitude is the prerequisite to favor. Celebrate the small victories and the larger ones will come. Little hinges. Swing big doors. Little thank yous. Open up greater opportunities. Opportunities. Lord, I'm going to find something today to be grateful for. There might be things in my life that I think is wrong, but that's not what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to find something to say, thank you, Lord. And I'm going to spend my life today not gropping and groaning and complaining and moaning, but I'm going to spend my life today walking through life and saying, "Hmm, thank you. Mmm, thank you. Mm, thank you, Lord. Mm, oh, thank you, Lord. Come on, somebody shout with me. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, shout it out. Thank you, Lord. Woo, hallelujah. And you'll be surprised how harmony will come. You'll be surprised how peace will come. You'll be surprised how you start attracting a different caliber of people. Don't go down that road. I just don't like the kind of friends that I have. Then change. Reset. Reframe. Change your heart. People that gossip. People that complain. People that fight. People that bellyache all the time. People that are negative all the time are not going to hang around somebody who walks through life saying, Thank you! Thank you, Lord! They're not going to do it. I'm not going re- to read this, but I want you to write it down because it's my last point and I don't have time to do it and I don't feel like I should. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 through 28, you need to put that and use it as one of your devotions this week. That's one of your marching orders for this week. And what that does is it gives you a list there of the characteristics of discipleship that will promote harmony in your life. And that is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 through 28. Now, we're, we're winding down here, but I want to have just a little personal talk with you today. Because the Lord did a little work inside of me this week that I think is important for you guys to know about. And I put it on our page. I, I asked you all what you thought about it. I read an article that totally reframed my mind. In fact, I hung stuff up in my office to remind me of this as I'm preparing messages for you every week. And the name of the article was, or actually, just let me say it like this. It's just one or two paragraphs. And it said, Pastor, when you step into your pulpit on Sunday mornings, do you see them as an audience or an army? Because if you see them as an audience... You'll always try to just make them comfortable. you always try to entice them to come back. But an army knows there are going to be times when they're not going to be comfortable. And they are waiting, they are in waiting, in in anticipation for marching orders. Yeah. And I said, God... I'll never be guilty of looking at them as an audience again. Years ago, you called me a general. I'm leading an army. So your marching orders today for this week is to work on harmony. You need to take what I've... And this will be available to you. You can go and you can watch it right after church if you want to on Facebook Live. Or you can go to the YouTube channel tomorrow and it'll be there. And you can download this message on on iTunes and Podbean. We don't charge for any of that. We just provide it because it's the Word of God and we feel like that it should be there. And so there are, there are different places that you can go, and you see it on the back there. But I want you to listen to this message again sometime this week, and I want you to ask God, God, what are you trying to say to me in this message? And I want you to work on harmony. Because it's in the place of unity, in the place of harmony, where God commands His blessing, even life forevermore. Now, God's blessing this church, and this church is growing. And you can see this morning, there's not very many empty seats at all, and it's just growing, and God's doing some wonderful and great things. But we're not even scratching the surface. That's right. Of what? I mean, right now, you don't know it, but right now, looking into that red light in that camera, I'm speaking to 70 nations' live. You're part of that. We're part of that. Because we're an army. What are we fighting for? We're fighting to share the message of God's love with the world. We're fighting to share the message of God's power through healing to the world. We're fighting to help people experience the Lord Jesus Christ in their heart and in their life. To accept him into their heart and into their life. Harmony begins with giving our life t- to the Lord Jesus Christ, with allowing Him to come into our heart and to come into our life. So if you would, I want you to stand all over this sanctuary. And I know we're going a little longer than we normally do today, but I want you to stand over this sanctuary. And Charles is going to lead us in a little course. And as he does, this is just kind of settle this word in our spirit. And then I want to pray with you if you don't know Christ as your Savior. Go ahead, Charles. If you're here today and Jesus doesn't live in your heart, you've never asked him to come and live in your heart, I want to pray with you right now. This is where it all begins. And let me tell you, it doesn't mean that you'll never face a trouble, a trial. It doesn't mean you'll never have a challenge. It just means you won't be alone, that he'll be with you and he'll walk with you and he'll help you. Just pray with me and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to come into my heart. I believe that you're the Son of God and that you died for me. And now I accept you as my Savior and as my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that very simple prayer and you mean it from your heart, Then The Bible said that Jesus will come into your heart and He'll live there. The next thing you need to do is you need to find a church that will baptize you in water. And you need to start uh, reading the Bible. Start with the book of John, St. John. Start reading the Bible. Start having Bible studies in your home. If you have questions, call us at the church office. We want to help you grow in the Lord. We want to help you be strong in the Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4 and that's the number for Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida 34669. Or you may call us at 727 856 1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the word will work if you work the word.